I spent most of my 30s in a personal renaissance, introspective and wayward, trying to follow in the footsteps long smoothed out by the tides of time. I looked for Bukowski and Poe in bottles, scoured the honky-tonks for Hank, Waylon, and Cash, floated on jazz currents till I smashed into rock and roll, haunted a church pew and plied the Caribbean shores behind Hemingway, Buffett, and Thompson. But one must be careful when searching for idols, lest you find one. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you find a spot where you can smell the musty, sweet scent of history lingering, the energy of space bathed in the patina of time, the exhalations of memories lingering, ethereal moments like ghosts in time's fading photograph. You simply feel it, not on your skin, but in your spirit. It's the experience of feeling excited and content at the same time. It's a feeling of belonging. Belonging to the same or similar experience as someone you want to connect with. I can close my eyes and imagine what it must have been like in their time. Then, slowly, history fades to present and I am hit with the astounding revelation that I am indeed there now making my own memory. Leaving my own entry into the records of succession. Perhaps, someday, someone will come searching for me in my footsteps. A bit dramatic for a tiki podcast, huh? But it's not all about rum and fruit juice. Well, not all the time. At the heart of tiki is, indeed, exploration. Whether literally across oceans, escaping to a local temple of tipple, or trying a new drink recipe at home and letting yourself shake off your space-time shackles for a few. Yeah, sometimes we get lucky, but sometimes we don't. The greatest tragedy in any historical endeavor is the fact that these people, places, cultural moments in time are indeed and indelibly gone. We'll never share a Papa Doble with Hemingway at La Floridita, watch Harry Yee sling Blue Hawaii's, or experience the heyday bacchanal of the Myrtle Bank Hotel in Jamaica. Some of these memorable places are kept alive in cheap plastic posterity. Sometimes we can create a special moment. Sometimes they happen by providence. Still, we must, begrudgingly at times, accept that those snapshots are lost forever. But for us who keep them alive in cheap plastic podcasts. That being said, my name is Tony, and welcome to Pod Tiki. One such tiki temple of yesteryear was the Kahiki Supper Club. It was 1957 when owners Bill Sapp and Lee Henry began traversing the South Pacific and scouring the U.S. to inspire their new endeavor. It would be bigger, more dynamic, and elaborate than any tiki restaurant in the nation. They succeeded. For when the Kahiki Supper Club opened its doors in 1961, it boasted a sloped canoe roof, two large Easter Island statues flanking the doorway, mock rainforests, thatched huts, fountains, and a massive three-story tall fireplace. As one of the largest tiki-themed palaces in the U.S., Kahiki offered an extensive menu of potions, too, rivaling that of the trader himself. The likes of Zsa Zsa Gabor, Milton Berle, Bob Hope, Andy Williams, and Mia Farrow made their way to Columbus, Ohio to be seen sipping during the height of pop tiki culture. 
Kahiki served as one of the basis for what tiki restaurants should and would look like thereafter. The irrevocable beachcomber, the veritable godfather of tiki himself, would be proud to see what his vision spawned. This undeniable mecca went so far as to offer the Mystery Bowl, a libation which would be served by a mystery girl, of course, who danced the incorrigible concoction to the tables of willing vic- I mean, patrons. Sapp and Henry sold the business in 1988, and in 1997 it was listed on the National Registry of Historic Places. Unfortunately, for all its glory, due to a significant loss of revenue, in 2000 the building was sold and subsequently demolished to build a Walgreens. The business is survived by a line of Kahiki frozen foods, some historic place. Hope remains in two forms, though. One, the Fraternal Order of Maui was founded in 2005 to preserve the history and artifacts of the restaurant. And two, Sandro Conti. Sandro Conti was the bartender at Kahiki in the 1960s, credited for creating one of the most popular tiki drinks you didn't know you know. It resides in the corner of most menus, and you, you would know the specialized bug if you saw it, but may have had reservations regarding the incredulous ingredients. Before you cast aspersions, I assure you this drink has withstood the test of time for a reason. So now, finally, after all my ramblings, we get to this episode's drink. The Port Light. Luckily for my liver, there are only two versions of the Port Light, thus named for its reddish hue. The mug for this drink is actually part of the overall experience. It's a red and gold mug shaped like the lantern that would be hung on the port side of ships. A green lantern signified starboard. This would inform other ships, or inebriated sailors of your own, which way the vessel was hit directed. Next time you see a plane overhead, take notice of the red and green lights blinking on each wing. A holdover from their nautical brethren. The first recipe we're going to cover is Sandro Conti's original, which comes to us courtesy of tiki historian Jeff Berry. We owe Beach Bum Berry multitudes of praise for putting in the work, both academically and practically, in resurrecting these recipes and true tiki pop culture as a whole. But I take umbrage with a few of his recipes, as I believe he fills in the gaps with personal preference. This is only conjecture, but I contend when dealing with bygone tiki drinks, it's better to assume the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. But before we get into all that, <clears throat> let's make a drink. What separates this drink from its peers and may look suspect to some is the absence of rum. The Port Light is one of the few tiki slash tropical drinks to utilize bourbon as its spirit. And why not? It's not like rum is Polynesian either. Hell, it's not like tiki means Polynesian. Tiki is an amalgamation of travels. So maybe Sandro traveled to Kentucky. This time around, I used Evan Williams, Single Barrel Vintage. It has that distinct Evan Williams flavor, but not as potent. I like this as a sipping bourbon, but that funk helps cut through tiki drinks in the same way Jamaican rum does. I could also recommend Bullet Bourbon, another with a strong profile to stand against tikidom. But if you're not a bourbon drinker, or you simply don't want to use your good stuff for mixing, I cannot extol enough the virtues of good old standard Four Roses. It's what I used in the Suffering Bastard episode. Moving on. 
This time we use lemon as our citrus rather than lime. The spice of lime clashes a bit with the passion fruit, and lemon adds a brightness to the topography of this drink. Always use fresh squeeze, because who doesn't like a squeeze, especially when it's fresh? Insert eyebrow wag here. That brings us to passion fruit syrup. I like Monin, but there are myriad recipes out there for homemade if that's your choosing. Also, we need some grenadine. Conversely to last time, when I claimed store-bought was fine, I feel like this is a drink that greatly benefits from homemade or high-end grenadine. We want fruit to come out over sweetness, which is added in plenty due to the passion fruit syrup. Now, I've had a bit of a revelation of sorts recently. I try to be as authentic as possible when recreating these drinks. In that same way, I try too hard sometimes to recreate the past when traveling. No matter how veritable the source, how close the degree of separation, or how clear the rendition, no recipe we ever find is going to taste like the original because any bartender in any tiki establishment worth their weight in rum has a proprietary twist. Maybe it's a flick of the wrist when dashing bitters or eyeballing that orgeat a little heavy. Even the originators of all of our drinks thus far have had a small trade secret they haven't let out. To be pedantic, one can say, well, only Don the Beachcomber and Trader Vic recipes are quote-unquote authentic. But what of folks like Sandro Conti, who created a time-honored classic but was overshadowed by the men who formed the genre? Who does the label of authentic go to? And by that rationale, I say my opinion is that there is a difference between a new drink coming out during the height of the time and new drinks being created now. I believe the new drinks should have their own classification. They are not tiki drinks unless they were invented during the heyday of tiki. Much like a speakeasy drink cannot be called such if it was created modern day by some mustachioed hipster. Here at Pod Tiki, I attempt to make my recipes as classic and authentic as possible. But sometimes the letter of the law gets in the way of the spirit. The following is the most balanced version I can create within the boundaries of the original recipe. Ingredients are the same, but I had to lower the syrups and increase the bourbon to balance it out for a modern, nuanced palate. Here we go. One ounce lemon juice. One teaspoon passion fruit syrup. One teaspoon grenadine. Two ounces bourbon. Half cup of crushed ice. Add everything to a blender and pulse it for about five seconds. Pour and top off with more crushed ice. This drink is quite sweet and fruity, but with some malty depth. Careful not to add too much bourbon. That just seems to over-bourbify it. Yes, I just made that word up. Blending with a small amount of crushed ice adds a frothy effervescence to the drink, but I have another trick. Add a small egg white, about a half ounce, and increase the passion fruit syrup to about a half ounce. Blending with a small amount of crushed ice is what usually gives tiki drinks that mystical bubbly look, but I find this to be a welcome alternative that levels out the disparate flavors. Vacillating between sweet and bourbony in a very pleasant exchange of flavors, the frothiness of the egg white actually tones down the bourbon and the sweetness while adding a creamy mouthfeel, making this a surprisingly nuanced and well-rounded drink. The lemon juice and passion fruit meld well with bourbon, giving this a slight spice, cutting through rich, fruity notes. Not to mention it looks really cool the way crushed ice floats in pink froth, like glaciers on a unicorn sea. 
If you're concerned about the raw egg, don't be. All right. You can use an egg white substitute if you're worried, but I think it takes away from the fresh dairy flavor of real egg. I find shaking works better with egg white, so we can forego the blender and grab a shaker for this one. Add lemon, passion fruit, grenadine, bourbon, and egg white to the shaker without ice and dry shake till frothy. Then add one cup crushed ice and shake again. Pour unstrained into a port light mug or clear Collins glass. Top off with ice and garnish with expressed mint. Now, the reason I'm so inclined to include this next recipe is because it comes directly from a former Trader Vic bartender. Martin Kate now heads up the lauded San Fran Tiki Bar Smuggler's Cove, but before that, he earned his legendary status mixing up progenic potions behind the bar of Trader Vic's. Mr. Kate deserves a podcast of his own someday, so I won't go into his story now. We'll just say he adapted this recipe by walking the plank. You see, his version borrows from another drink called the Starboard Light. In this one, bourbon is swapped for scotch and the grenadine for honey syrup. Honey syrup being a one-to-one honey water mix. Kate marries the port and Starboard Lights and uses the egg, which is where I got the idea. Here's his recipe, slightly adjusted. Two ounces of bourbon, three-quarter ounce lemon juice, half ounce honey syrup, one teaspoon passion fruit, and a half ounce of small egg white, or one small egg white. Personally, I prefer the original. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this version. It's a well-balanced, tasty cocktail. It's just that this is a separate drink in my book. The Port Light Tiki drink is a wonderful addition to anyone's repertoire. It's different enough to not get lost among the various similar flavor profiles of punch-based tiki concoctions. While remaining an outlier, it deserves a place of independence among Mai Tais, zombies, and suffering bastards. Not to mention it's a perfect introduction for bourbon drinkers into that tiki life. Fruity but rounded out with depth and frothiness, better suited for a dark jungle theme than a sunny beach, the port light exemplifies the range of tiki drink culture. For my cigar folks out there, <clears throat> I would go with something dark and strong, something to cut through the fruit, the fruity sweetness but accent the bourbon. That's why I am suggesting the Bella Artes by A.J. Fernandez. Or, if Boutique is more your jam, the Accomplice Modoro by Principal Cigar. The Kahiki may be gone, but with the recent Tiki revival, there are plenty of altars to visit. You know... Martin Kate exemplifies the story of this episode, following in the footsteps of Trader Vic, then venturing out on his own. As a writer, I've traveled to many personal meccas and followed in many footsteps, from Nashville to Key West to Havana to Jamaica. But it's the detours, the weekends alone on the beach in Coco and Destin, visiting my daughter at Amelia Island, the log cabin fire with my wife, sitting on the banks of the Mississippi River in Illinois. Life's parentheticals took me on side quests, but always returned me to the path of footsteps laid out by those I sought. Not only famous types, either. Also the virtues of my family and friends who hold traits I admire and aspire to fold into my own being. One set of footsteps hold a heralded place in my heart, though. Sebastian Ben Anella my grandpa. 
This past Christmas, my uncle bestowed upon me one of the greatest gifts I have ever received, my grandfather's flight jacket. I could never describe the smell of that worn leather. It smells like my childhood. It's good to have a guide, yet my wife recently helped me realize that for all my searching, for those I wish to emulate, the times I've risen above my talent is when I've been original. It's the reason I started Tiki. I often wonder what my grandpa would think of me now, of the things I've done and places I've been. But the most important part of following in others' footsteps is knowing when to jump out and make your own. This has been Tiki. Credits for this episode can be found at podtiki.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course at podtiki.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at pod underscore tiki or on Facebook. You can follow myself at rum underscore poet on Instagram. And always remember to sail your ship responsibly. Most of all, thank you for listening to Pod Tiki.